Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview on Face to Face is with Joel Solomon. Uh, he's the author. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's involved in pretty much everything. He's a, he's a money manager. He's a social venture capitalist. And he's an author of a book uh, called The Clean Money Revolution, uh, Reinventing Power, Purpose, and Capitalism. He's also a new dog owner. And sadly, we didn't get to talk about that on the podcast. But uh, maybe maybe you can reach out to him and, and find out more about that. And I'm a new dog owner as well. So by the time you guys hear this, we'll, Sasha will have been adopted into our family. So please uh, uh, think of me uh, every time you see a dog on a leash. That'll be me at about, uh, you know... Uh, at 10 o'clock at night when the kids are fast asleep I'll be out walking the dog Joel and I talk about uh, not only about his book we talk about uh, an organization that he's uh, very involved with uh, called Hollyhock uh, you will want to look them up hollyhock.ca we talk about uh, clean money we talk about stories and we talk about um, um, why why Joel feels like he was a good ancestor. We talk about opportunities and, and privilege and, and, and why this whole clean money revolution is really a, is, is a multi-decade uh, movement. We get into this idea of questioning everything and, and how... Uh, why, why, why there is a responsibility if, if you, you have lived uh, a privileged life. We talk about the biggest money-making event in human history. We talk about unfulfilled love that's, that's rooted in fear and, and, and why it's so important to, to, to uh, be concerned about security and about taking care of your family. We get very practical and, and kind of philosophical and we have a whole lot of fun uh, while uh, we're chatting about his new book. Uh, don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my uh, speaking and my writing and face-to-facelive.ca for more information uh, uh, and more, sorry, more, more information but more access to, to interviews with wonderful people doing really remarkable things. Coming right up, Joel Solomon and the Clean Money Revolution. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest today, the author of a new book called The Clean Money Revolution, Reinventing Power, 
Purpose and Capitalism. Joel Solomon is here with us today to talk about entrepreneurship and I would imagine innovation and I hope changing the world. Joel, thanks for joining us today. It's really a special pleasure to be doing this with you, David. Yeah, thanks. So so you're you're um you're really slumming it right now on Cortez Island, I understand. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're just enjoying a little bit of sunshine, and and and, uh, and 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 are you are you out on a kayak right now? I'm not sure. I can't really tell <laughs> the ambient sounds. Yeah. Well, uh, I would say that uh, this is how I got to Canada in 1980. Is I was invited to visit Cortez Island in the years of seek and search, and uh, I, I I fell in love with what I found and got involved with the beginnings of a educational retreat center called Hollyhock. Nice. That uh, I've I've been board chair of for a long time and and uh, it's meant a lot to my life in so many ways. But we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll definitely maybe we can we can circle back on that. But it's hollyhock.ca, and uh, uh, and also wait, let's let's plug your own website. Uh, you know, the the book is the Clean Money Revolution. Hopefully, flying off the bookshelves. But uh, uh-huh. Joel, joelsolomon.org, uh, people can find out more about it there too. Thanks for that. So what what pray tell Joel is clean money. Yes. Clean money is an intention and it's an awareness. Uh, you can define it for yourself. The point to me is that we've been separated from the actual things that our money does. Hmm. And I'm not talking about the stocks that we might buy or the bank that we invest in or put our savings in or the retirement plan. I'm talking about where that money actually goes and what hmm. it does with our name on it. Mm. while we're having this conversation or asleep at night, and how it affects people and places all over the world that we don't even know is happening. Right. I feel it's our responsibility to know and to make choices. So, so it's really about, um, I mean, it sounds to me it's, it's about responsibility. That's right. And, making... and responsibility that goes a little bit, a few steps deeper than just, I like, I like this bank or this, this uh, wealth manager. Right. So this is about peeling. This is about education. This is about uh, this is about awareness. It's about advocacy, maybe even, and, yes, and maybe peeling absolutely. back the layers. Absolutely. Do I want to be responsible for what is done in my name with my money? Right. That's a good. That's a good question to ask. I think it's uh, ignored by schools, religions, mm. society, except for uh, you know people that are super uh, really thinking about this in a deep way. Do you, so I'd love to get into your history a little bit, because clearly we're all, you know, Kierkegaard, the philosopher says, you know, and, and my listeners will be sick of hearing me say this, but we, you know, we live, you know, stepping forward, we understand looking backward, you know, when, when you look back and, you know, your, your past and your father and your, your health and, and how all of this connects, what, what for you, I don't know, I was going to say what, for what for you makes the most sense, but, but, um. You know, can you talk a little bit about some of those connected dots? I will do my best to give a simple form of that and say that having grown up as a Jewish kid in the southern United States during the 50s and 60s... I'm not going to hold that against you, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, I recovered. And uh, the Civil Rights Movement, Jim Crow, uh, Vietnam War, riots and police Mm -hmm. riots in Mm -hmm. the streets at the Democratic Party convention... Uh, Kent State, uh, assassinations. It was kind of a time of of one level of innocence getting broken open. It was turbulent times. 
But we had no idea what real turbulent times <laughs> were facing right. today. Right. But at that point, this was, this was early stages, at least in my lifetime. So that combined with a successful child of an immigrant uh, uh, entrepreneurial dad and a, uh, an art- artistic photographer mom who uh, opened my eyes to a, a lot of the world and, and to deeper insights, um, there was also a family genetic kidney disease mm-hmm. on my father's side. And I was diagnosed in my early 20s, told that I could live a long time or I could die soon, and there was not much I could do about it. And so the combination of all this in the times caused me to want to understand on my deathbed what would I have accomplished and done with my life. What is the meaning and purpose of this life besides just you know, just rolling down just just rolling down the road, uh, attempting to uh, follow the rules that uh, everyone else was following, and so it caused me a lot of uh, a lot of searching, and I really wanted my life to make a difference, at least to myself. Right. Nothing nice. else. That's a, that's an and, interesting. That's an interesting distinction. So for you, it was almost well, maybe. Am I hearing regret in there? You didn't want to have those regrets. You wanted to be able to look back and right. say, uh, "I I did what I could." I that was exactly my words. I did what I could. Hmm. I was a good ancestor. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's okay. a great. Yeah, that's a great line. Like, when you, you look across the world right now and you think about people coming in one, two, three generations from now, and you calculate total up the number of issues we're dealing with, from ecological to justice issues to how society is governed, population growth. You know, the list goes on and on, and I don't need to wear us out with it. However, what we do need to take responsibility for is how is this precious life going to serve to make a better world for tomorrow? And I, I, I yeah, go off. Oh, no, I was just going to say I love, I love, and I, I can't remember now if it was in the. And by the way, congratulations on the book. I mean, it's 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 a wonderful read. It's a it's an it's a really for me uh, it's a real narrative read. You know, That's when right. you first pick it up and you go the clean money revolution, great academic, going to be a whole lot of footnotes. Um, and, and there are footnotes, and I've got an academic background, so I don't want to, uh, or endnotes, but I don't want to disparage those. But but it's it's, I hope it's 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 an easy read. It's it's a it's a, it, there's there's so much story. There's so many examples. So anyway, th- th- thanks for that. And uh, well, can, can I give you the, the yeah, perspective go. on the book? Yeah. So I turned I turned sixty, and I've had this commitment in my life, and I kind of look across the landscape. And I realized that I'll be dust <laughs> not, mm, you know, sometime, not right, that far from now. Right. And then there's the question, well, what did I accomplish and how did I contribute? And so I, I started to inventory the, the opportunities, privileges, and, and just incredible life that I've been able to have. Right. And I remembered back, like, how did I get here? I was kind of an insecure and confused and wounded kid going through teenage and into the 20s for reasons I've uh, referred to before, and then, of course, other ones that were more personal. But um, I thought I needed to read stories from people who did things differently. Hmm. Wow, I what had a great, to do that. What a great line. What, I had to do that in my 20s in order to make sense of the world and for myself. So I, I, I had an opportunity. I was caretaking a remote uh, Orca research laboratory north of here in British Columbia. But, you know, I was by myself a lot of that time. And I would bring home box loads of books to try to read and get direction and understanding. But it was really people's stories hmm. that moved me and helped guide me. 
It's so good. I, I, uh, wow, there's so many things. I think I'm going to have to shelve that for another conversation, but it's just, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being struck by how much story, how much narrative, the, the whole idea of parable. And I mean, this is where film and poetry and great right. fiction plays a role in, in who we become, you know? Yes, and I, re- I, rem- <laughs> I remember at a pretty young age, uh, realizing that I did a quick calculation of how many books I could read a year. And okay, I'm I figure I'm going to be able to read about 2500 books. I got to be careful. You know, I got to I got to yeah. choose wisely and I've got to mix yeah. that up with fiction and nonfiction and a little bit of biography right. and so on. I have no idea why I made that distinction at that at that uh, young of an age, but but yeah, the power of story and That's uh, right. I mean and and isn't that really what um in a sense you're I guess you're, you're you're hoping that that the clean money revolution, your book, your work, uh, your speaking, and so on, is is going to help to. Uh, um, hmm. It's going to say change the narrative, but but maybe color it or uh, 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 move it forward a little bit. Is that is that is that a fair? <laughs> Absolutely, there's yeah. many ways to say it. Yeah. and I and I like to use stories of, of some of my own stories, and then stories about the many other people that have been working hard over decades to realign values and money, whether it's how you earn it or how you uh, make use of it. And so the book is loaded up with uh, my personal journey and uh, long enough to, to engage, <clears throat> hopefully, many people on just how you do your own personal journey. And then secondly, I feel like I was incredibly blessed to be at the very early stage of what I consider a movement around money and making it more just, more hmm. clean, hmm. and more uh, generative for the long term. So I do a bit of the middle of the book is kind of a taxonomy of that movement and my personal view of it, not an academic or scientific one, but to really tell a lot of stories of the organizations and people that have been formative in my own thinking and hopefully many others. And so I think that this is a multi-decade movement mm. that has mm. been growing and building soil, <laughs> you know, healthy soil for a mm. long time, and that my career ended up aligned with that. And today, I call myself a mission venture capitalist. Sorry, say that again. Say that again. Mission mission venture capitalist. So I'm a venture capitalist. And we manage tens of millions of dollars uh, uh, of other people's money and our own money, but primarily other people's money. And we invest in organic food companies and environmental technologies to prove that you can... You can align your money with things that actually matter to you, mm-hmm. and you and you can make money doing it. So there's a lot of other themes, but that was a very important one, and it gave me a sense of entrepreneurship and probably helped my sense of purpose and self and and to feel satisfied. But more importantly, these stories need to be told because yes. we have waves of young people coming on now who really care. We have people that are older who really care. And we are being given as many options and as much information that is out there. Our guidance system to take the kind of responsibility that I'm talking about is to know where my pennies are needs help and support. So in the in the preface, you say, quote, on one hand, clean money is like clean food or clean energy. If you hold yeah. up the finance sector alongside food or energy, you can see it as just one part of this massive shift that is remaking our world. But money is more fundamental than that. Money is an energy. The essence is extracted from the value of services and resources held in reserves the way power is held in a battery. It can be shaped 
to the vision and intentions of those who control its movement and its uses, close quote. So, so, so here's the question. Is, is money the root of all evil or is the love of money the root of all evil? And you don't have to answer that, but, but I think you know well, what I'm, you know, I'm talking about yeah. intention, responsibility, choice, because I love this existential approach that you take towards this inanimate object. I think it's blind ambition to have more money because we are bereft right now of what matters, right? what to do with our life. As a young man, the young white North American male, the pathway that was basically preached to me is make a lot of money. Right, right. And you'll find happiness. Right. So yep. I, get, I get security and taking care of my family and taking care of my community. There are all kinds of... Money is a very powerful substance, and it can be used for a lot of good. Used without consciousness or, or intention or reflection, it can do a lot of damage. Mm. And I've seen a lot of damage done by money and by, uh, let's say, greed, for, unf- unfulfilled love hmm. rooted, rooted in fear hmm. of not having meaning and purpose or, no, or, or of death or of <clears throat> never being important enough or would all the, the uh, anxieties that uh, affect people, particularly because of how our societies developed and what messages we're bombarded with. And <clears throat> we need other pathways that are noble and high-minded and also fulfill our motivation and ambitions to be a useful, good person. We've lost a lot of the value that we used to put into government and public service, the social sector and helping professions, spiritual uh, and religious practices, uh, just how you do life and, and uh, feel like you've accomplished something has been drifting further and further towards if you don't make a lot of money, you don't mean much, and you really need to just keep making more. Now, the question underneath that, can I just, one more thing, David, which is yeah, go how ahead. much is enough? How much is enough? Well, you know what? I have I've wrote the, in my notes here as I've been reading the book and so on. When When is enough enough is the question, right. right? How How does... So, how, you know, because people will often say, well, especially when it comes to philanthropic sort of advising or, you know, I work in the nonprofit sector, and so, you know, yeah. we constantly are hearing... You know, the, the stats are not great, right? We, we hear this stuff about Canadians being so generous, but when you start to look at the actual numbers, we're maybe not as generous as we think we are, but we also all have our own thresholds, right? And okay. so we've got security. We have to take care of our families, absolutely. But at what point do we say, okay, now I can come alongside others, or and, right? And you're referring to generosity, which is just a very, very important part of having wealth and affluence and power and privilege. But there's, there's also uh, what I've been saying earlier. When you make investments, what are you actually investing in and why? Right, right, right. So, so, so let's go back to that because you said you can align your money with the things that matter to you. I mean, I, I love that phrase. So are you saying to me, uh, David Peck, the investor uh, who's got an advisor, I should be asking them more diligent questions about the mining companies that they invest in, about the clothing companies they invest in, and so on. Is that how, how uh, granular we're going to get? That's right. Whatever it is that you care about and you believe in, be sure that your money aligns with those values and belief systems. Hmm. Otherwise, we're hypocritical. Right. And, and your point in Clean Money Revolution and just kind of the life that you've lived is that you can, you can do both. Or you could probably do more than both. <laughs> My dramatic statement would be, we, this, this is the biggest money-making opportunity mm. in history to wow. reinvent wow. the entire economy for cleaner, greener, and more fair. Hmm. 
it's 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 being left on the table and new products are being invented new entrepreneurs are coming along these kinds of conversations are happening we know that fossil fuels are very important and they've been important to the industrial revolution to get us where we are with global affluence and for those who have it but we don't need to burn fossil fuels in order to heat our house or drive a car right we have alternatives now there's lots of money to be made on those alternatives we need not to be putting lots of toxic chemicals in our body with what we eat. We have alternatives. Steer your money that way. Steer your purchases that way. And you can go through medicine. You can go through education. You can go through pretty much every system, and you could make better choices. It's, the, the Liberal Party talks about people, uh, plant, planet, and profit, I believe, uh, or, or um, I think, pro, sorry, people, planet, prosperity. The old adage was people, planet, profit. You, you've right. made the distinction of people, commerce, and communities, and I love the community um, side of it. it can, can, you, can you unpack that a little bit for me? Well, I, I, let's start at, I'll start at the top of this. Do I need to go to Mars because the Earth is trashed? Do I need to be a survivalist and put my money into a compound, with a gated compound with weapons and helicopters and guards somewhere remote so that I can get away from the damage, uh, the, the, react, you know, the uh, reaction to the damages that uh, the, the system may be causing? Uh, we, we need, and we used to know, even Republicans, you know, kind of the downtown Republicans in the southern United States <laughs> cared about the community. They actually cared about the community because they knew that an unhappy community and a disgruntled population could lead to serious problems. Mm. And so there was a there was kind of an agreed you know this is the genteel version, and I'm not saying this is what we should this is not where the peak of it is, but we lived in a much more pragmatic way that uh, you can only you can only push down everyone else so much, and eventually you get a real problem on your hands. So can 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 we circle back to to story, um, okay? And maybe your personal story. So and I want yeah. I so want to get to a phrase that I heard or I heard you say on a uh, an interview or a TEDx talk or or, or read where you say um, you know the '60s taught you to question everything, and and yeah. and I and I kind of wondered <clears throat> and maybe we should go there before we hit the the, the personal story because I want to talk about the White House. I was fascinated yeah. by that part of your story, but um, <laughs> but but do you still question everything? Oh, yes, including myself, <laughs> <laughs> including my deeply held beliefs, because we're, we're in a time, the information age, the uh, increasing knowledge that's spreading around the planet, and coming to awakeness about things like, was North America built on slavery and genocide? Well, not completely, but that's real. Mm. That's real. What's our responsibility? What do we do now? What is reconciliation? What is fairness? What's going to be a healthy society? And are my behaviors, I mean, I live an affluent life. I'm walking around a beautiful home right now. <clears throat> I don't, I'm not, uh, let's see, I applaud that. I think that we need to have the opportunity to express our motivations and success. But we need fair taxation. Mm. We need, we need uh, uh, functional social services. We need, if we're going to take, take the population that, I was born into around 3 billion people, and I'm now at 7.6 billion, headed towards 10. There's technologists and scientists who say, no problem, we'll be able to feed everyone. But think that through, people. We're gonna, if, if that's the reality, and if we're eating up the ecological systems of the planet, where does that all lead us to? 
These are important questions. So, so let me just, uh, the little devil's advocate here, because um, yeah. I could actually hear a friend of mine in the back of my mind here. Is this a question of somebody who comes from privilege? Sure. Uh, and I acknowledge that half of the world lives on far too little money yep. and resources. Yep. Exactly. But, here, but here's the thing. I, I, I believe the responsibility of privilege is to use that privilege mm-hmm. for the greater good. Hmm. So we're, there's always going to be some kind of stratification in society. There'll be, there'll be chiefs, there'll be leaders, there'll be the medical doctor that has power in, in some sure, sure. We're always going to have stratifications. And I think we should have motivation for people to do better and be smarter and be better trained and that kind of thing. But the tax heist, as far as I'm concerned, that just happened in the United States transferred trillions of dollars of wealth to the wealthiest people in the world. Right. And it's stripping away the people that least can afford to pay the taxes and can't get social services. That's dumb. It's not just, it's, it's not just unfair. It leads to a bad outcome. So that decision was made by a place that you tried to get into not so long ago. <laughs> so, so tell our listeners a little bit about that that part of your history and maybe, I don't know, maybe, I mean, a fascinating history, by the way, Joel. I mean, just from your health concerns and your, you went through a kidney transplant and, and your yeah. father and, I mean, your father's history is fascinating too. Made his money largely off of, correct me here if I'm wrong, but... Um, um, Shopping malls. Uh, shopping malls and real estate, I guess. But, right. but based kind of on this um, almost racist tendency, is that, is that a fair comment? Yes, but let me express which racist tendency. <laughs> That's right. In, in, in the South, I told you that the downtown Republicans were more moderate in, in sure, the state. Sure, sure. But there was also Ku Klux Klan, John Birch Society, and a lot of very reactionary South still reliving the Civil War, uh, right. Jim Crow being effectively ongoing, not quite slavery, but suppression. And uh, so politics was always a, a very important part of my family's life. And I just, I, I said earlier, I didn't really bring this to life, which is as Eastern European Jews coming to America, well, they fled places that they lived in due to oppression. Right. And they went for a safer, better place where they could have a decent living and the same kinds of things we're talking about, safe, clean, sure, prosperous. Sure. So, so I got, oh, we're talking White House right now? Is that where I was headed? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, little bit of time. I mean, you go wherever you want to go, but I'm just, yeah. I'm fascinated by the history. And I think for me, what, yeah. what's amazing, and, and you talk a great deal about, I mean, for me, one of your take, what the takeaways from your, 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 your book and, and just, I guess, your life and, and what you're all about is this, uh, I think, direct quote from you, unimaginable potential. And okay. I think, I think you've, you've, you can look back now at your age and, 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 and connect some of those dots and say, this is actually starting to make a lot more sense than maybe at the time. And that's I think right. that's remarkable. And now you're sharing it with us. And so, yeah, anyway, the, the, the way your, your dad made his money, I think is fascinating. He took a completely, hmm, uh, not an unlivable situation, but a very difficult situation and turned it into something incredibly, uh, uh, meaningful and prosperous ultimately in, in the long run. So first, the political point, which is you have to stay involved in politics, mm. ignore it at your peril, Right. ignore it at your peril. Secondly is Jews in the South at that time, it was pretty exclusionary, couldn't join the social clubs, couldn't join the country clubs, things like that, which is where lots of, you know, the action happens. So there were certain businesses and sectors 
that Jews were able to get involved in. They ranged from clothing and shoe stores to movie theaters. And the shopping mall industry was a brand new one. And so and a lot of the people involved with it, were na- it they were national. They weren't just mm-hmm. local. So in my early analysis of things, I was crushed by the fact of cave paradise, put up parking lots, monoculturing the, right. the, the world. But then what I came to learn over time with my father is that having been excluded from most of the economic opportunity, for him to get involved with national chain stores that were that would not discriminate about who they did business with or who was hired at the stores was actually a very progressive movement on the social and economic side early on. Uh, uh, So that was, so both on the business side, he went to where he went where he was able to go and then made the best of it and then came back and attempted to do his service on community boards and all kinds of things like that, but also in politics to be sure that positive, progressive trends would continue forward, because the opposite of that is very dangerous for many people. Hmm. So I got involved. I, I went to political campaigns as a kid and was babysat there, and so I got exposed to it all. My mother was one of the early women who actually took roles in, of leadership in uh, political campaigns and things like that. And I got very fascinated with it, and it became a doorway for me to get out of the South, which was a tough place for me to grow up in the 50s and 60s. Um, so I ended up with a summer internship, the Democratic Party, for a one-term governor of Georgia named Jimmy Carter, hmm. who ran the campaign committee. Those are the people that run around the country and campaign for all the congressional candidates, which we're seeing right now if you're following U.S. politics. So I went to work there, and at the end of the summer, they told me that Jimmy Carter was going to run for president. He was at zero in the polls. And they showed me the 16-page strategic plan document. I then took that to my university professors at the time and convinced them as a poli-sci grad, poli-sci student, political science student, that uh, this would be a great experience for me to go work on the campaign, go to the New Hampshire primary, work college campuses in New England and things like that. And, uh, and so I did that. Um, a miracle happened. I got to watch a modern-day miracle, somebody with an idea and a vision, get themselves from zero to the White House mm. with one term as a governor from Georgia from a peanut farmer. Yeah, that's so great. You know? yeah. and, and Jimmy Carter was not perfect. He had his flaws. But, boy, is Jimmy Carter looking good today. Mm. So from there, uh, I made the choice that I was too young to be ready. I was still in my early 20s to go into a career of politics, and I'd just been diagnosed with the, uh, the, the kidney disease that would lead to a later transplant. And so I made the choice, the, the very fortunate choice. I think I was scared enough and I was unsettled enough that I went deeper to try to find what really was the right pathway for me. And so that led to many other things yeah, no, that I'm happy about. Yeah, that you're happy about. No <laughs> kidding. I mean, including, I love, and, 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 and help me out here, but what's the name of your family holding company? Uh, interdependent. <laughs> so, so it's, I, I love it. And it's just, I mean, can, can, can we link that back to people, commerce, and communities? I think so. And my, my father's, the company of my father and his cousins was independent enterprises. Hmm. And so I went to interdependent as a representation of my generation's view of how things should be and how they work. 
Yeah, it's so good. Um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to the hundred trillion dollar question uh, yeah. a little later on when we when we right. uh, when we wrap up. But so tell me tell me a little bit more about um, the practical side of this. The you know what is it what is it that I can do? What is it that you know somebody that isn't incredibly wealthy can do? You know when is yeah. enough enough? You know how can I uh, shop? Uh, uh, you know I I need I I need to shop Joel at Walmart. You know the yeah. the, the person that says that to you. You know and maybe yeah. we. Well, Walmart's, you know, the big evil giant, I suppose, and we all like to throw stones at it. But at the same time, it's providing families opportunity, right, on 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 many many levels. And so, yeah. how do you how do you come to terms with that? And yeah, how do you how do you make sense of the the noise and the and the mess of it all? The, the, yes, very good questions. Uh, first of all, uh, I'll talk about good and evil at times as a as a metaphor and as a communication tactic, but I'm, I'm, and I, and I may even wag my fingers sometimes, <laughs> but actually, actually all of that is meant to be a wake up call. I believe that humans have the capacity. Most humans have the capacity to do good, be good and pass on good values and take care of their families and their communities. Uh, there was probably a time on the planet. I'm not going to glorify any past time. I wasn't there. I don't know for sure, but when we were at 1 billion people, we probably were, had some certain things we were able to do better. Uh, industrial revolution, technology, science, all those things gave us other kinds of tools. But <clears throat> we were at a smaller scale. We've accelerated very rapidly. But what everyone can do is make choices. Mm. If, you, if your choice is that you're living on so little income that taking care of your family is number one, then go find the best deal you possibly can. I can't ask you to think about the worker in China or the environmental damage mm-hmm. in Mongolia or, or these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can ask you to believe in something <clears throat> and give of your time and yourself in any way that you can, but most importantly, teach good values to your children. Mm. That will help a lot. So good. And, and show them what happens with that struggle and hard work can actually still, in many cases, enable you to lift yourself up further. Well, I just felt, I felt like a blanket of guilt and shame being lifted. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone in this, uh, this sector, I guess you could say, sort of explain it. So I think so wisely and well, if, if, you know, if you need to provide for your family, then go and do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's agency. It's, yeah. And you can vote. That's and you right. can even run for office. That's right. And you yep. can pay attention to things, and you can express yourself, and you may have a church or something somewhere else where you find out how to help do some things for the community and things like that. The problem has been that those of us with the most power have really lost our hearts and maybe our minds in terms of thinking about the long-term future for the whole. And so we have – we talked about tax laws earlier. We talked about – Attacking government, cutting services every way we can, privatizing more and more things. Uh, privatization can be useful sometimes. I'm not, you know, <laughs> these are not blanket statements. Sure, sure, yeah. But but the point is that we are falling into designing the future with our beliefs, our actions, our conversations, our opinions, all that kind of thing, to be a dog eat dog world mm. where all that matters is that I come out on top, and that is not going to end well <laughs> for our great grandchildren. We may leave a trust. We may leave lots of money. We may have a great uh, fortress somewhere, but it's not enough. We have got to build a world that is fair enough and functional enough mm. 
that these seven to ten billion people can live together decently. Yeah, fair, uh, fair and functional is 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 really. I mean, it's simple, uh, and yet it's so. It makes it makes so much sense. In chapter nine of the book, you 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 have got, you've got a chapter on evolutionary leadership, and you say that that the thing that that you tell most young entrepreneurs, and I would say this is probably good advice yeah. for everybody, but you, you say your answer is, you know, um, what, what, what can I do basically to, you know, to, to I'm just going to flip to it here, uh, promote clean money at business schools or incubators. Your answer always is learn inner skills. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it just, is that, is that, I mean, I remember somebody years ago saying to me, I mean, just learn how to use a knife and fork. Uh, yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> but but is, isn't it true that we have to learn about life hmm. before just going out and doing it? That that this is as old as humans, probably as human consciousness is. Here's how. Here's wise behavior. Here's destructive behavior. Uh, be reverent about the things that you need to take care of. Right. Uh, you know, be aware of the things that need to be thought about, focused, and removed from your lexicon or from how, you know, your, your, your emotions and things like that. So the inner skills. How do you deal with conflict? How do you handle stress? What's, how do you figure out what's enough? How do you contribute to society? It, it goes on and on. Underneath it is, how, who am I as a human being? Mm-hmm. What do I know that, will, that I will be proud of on my deathbed about how I lived my life? and how I'm looked back on by future generations, whether that's personal or just as this time in history. So this is about, this is, this is about the almost, uh, I'm going to borrow a phrase from Heidegger, but this is about the average in the everyday. Mm-hmm. This is about those simple things. This is about those, those little things, those everyday decisions that we, that we make that, uh, right. you know, at our local rotary club, uh, uh, um, it's not, it's, you don't have to be a social, uh, a social venture capitalist. That's in, right. In other words. That is exactly right. And those of us that do have extra affluence, privilege, power, we have a higher bar that we right. can meet. Right. Or at least you should have a higher bar, I suppose, well, in a prescriptive way. Okay, whatever heaven and hell is. <laughs> yes, yep, okay. yep, fair enough. That's exactly, yeah, I think I'd say the same thing, yep. You can figure out what you think it is, but yep. I'm not sure it rewards those of us that had the most money when we died. <laughs> right, right. I yes. don't know what the condo, you know, if you get a better condo in heaven for that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, speaking of that, I just, I don't know why it took me there, but what, can you tell me, um, uh, before we get to the $100 trillion question, because yeah. sadly, and it's breaking my heart here, truly is that we're going we're gonna to need to wrap up our conversation in a, in a few more minutes, but um, what is the outhouse blessing? Uh, oh, let's see, how can I tell that quickly? <laughs> when, when I was caretaking a remote orca research laboratory and reading a lot of things, mm-hmm. there was a beautiful outhouse. <laughs> and there was one, like out, you know, in the yep. open, uh, like a glass top and big trees. There were yep. thousand-year-old yep. trees around me. All that baby, kind of baby blue painting on the outside, dusty rose <laughs> on the inside. Yeah, maybe so. Um, and and there was one book out there, this little bitty, one of those kind of annoying new age books that <laughs> sounds too simplistic. Right. Like, yes. Just just correct your thoughts and everything will be okay. Um, but I did, I had to read the thing many times because it was a quick read. And I kept thinking about, what do you mean I can, that, that, you know, that, that I, I'm actually in control of some of my emotions, at least some portion of them I can choose how to be. This is the inner skill thing. 
And why is it that I feel so grumpy and angry and condemning of the, you know, how the world is? And is that really going to be constructive for me? And it, and the, the kind of simpler message is love is really the root of it all. Mm. Translating what love means hmm. into how we treat ourselves first, mm. then the people we care about the most, and then the rest of society is really the key to happiness and to uh, good outcomes. That's that's a belief system that was so simple, and it helped me let go of certain behavioral patterns of needing to complain and criticize. I can be a good critic now. I've already done it on this, you know, on this interview of all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I hope that anyone listening to this can feel the depth of love that this is about, that I care. Well, and I, I want think, there to be a better world. And isn't, isn't it about criticism, criticizing that leads towards some sort of intentional construction or at least offers up another way? It's not just about sitting on your armchair and your sofa and saying, wow, how horrible is that? It's about getting out, rolling up your sleeves, and hopefully... Uh, planting a seed of one kind or another. In fact, the armchair quarterback is becoming very dangerous to the well-being mm. of the future. Mm. We're watching television. We're listening to people. You know, we, they get our attention by being angry and, and provocative, and we pick up that that posture of how to be. So, if we're going to watch that stuff all the time, we need to do other practice. That's a practice. It's right. a practice. Right. Sit it's there pra- with your beer and watch the television. That's right. Yeah. Like there's other practices, like thinking about what matters. Right. Uh, and being with people in discussions about what matters and how to be a better person you mean, yeah, goes on and on. So, so this is the message repeated <laughs> multiple times, and I think I've made that point. Um, so tell me, what is the $100 trillion question? If people don't know this, you need to know that in North America alone, and I'm counting Mexico, that... Something close to $50 trillion is going to pass hands in the next three decades from people my age, I'm in my 60s, to people younger than me. That money is enough money to solve pretty much, not every, but most of the global challenges that we have. It's simply being misdirected and allocated poorly. Globally, that's got to be $100 trillion, just to make up a nice round number that right. works for conversation. Right. I have no idea how much it is. There's dark money that's not counted. You know, there's who knows. There's trillions of dollars. Now, they're going to pass into the hands of people whose values appear to be different. Right. They're not necessarily all good. They're not all necessarily clear and high-minded or any of that kind of thing. But there is an opportunity in this. People that are in their 20s and 30s and their teens are growing up in very different conditions with very different access to information. Some of that may damage them severely, but if they can awaken to the concept of choice, Mm, mm. of what they consume and what they look at and how they interpret things, it's very powerful access. And we have a generation coming up that is the generation I most want to reach with, uh, you know, whatever it is I can share now, the way that I was reached by dead people who wrote books and things like that, other people's stories, to say, we apologize. We know that future generations are watching all of us. We did the best we knew how to do in our conditions, but now you have opportunity like we never had. Mm. And we want to do whatever we can to support you that you might make this beautiful Garden of Eden go forward into the future. Yeah, it's wonderful. I think it's a, wow, I think it's a beautiful place to, to sort of, 
wind down the, the, the interview and and uh, gotta gotta say thanks for your time and for the book and, and for all you're doing and, and let's talk a little bit uh, it's um, the, the website where folks can learn a little bit more about you is, is Joel Solomon of course S O L O M O N dot org and then Holly Hawk and and kind of as it sounds folks H O L L Y H O C K dot C A um, have is Clean Money Revolution is is there a part two Joel. Uh, and I, I do want to add, just so you can look at the business that we do in this mm-hmm. thing called uh, uh, Mission Venture Capital, is Renewal. Right, R-E-N-E-W. sorry. Yeah, R E N. Yeah. My bad, I didn't mention it. <laughs> Renewal Funds, renewalfunds.com. There's, uh, yeah, that's essentially, you're, you're still managing that fund, are you not? Co-managing, yes, Co- with my founding partner, and with the yeah. uh, the small sum of about a hundred million dollars to. Uh... Well, that's that's a that's a target, but we oh, okay. yeah we that's right. We know we've been we've been invest, we've uh, been managing ninety eight million uh, to date, and now we're raising another fund. Yeah. yeah, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation, and and I will look forward to to having another one if 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 there isn't a part two to the book, maybe a part two to our conversation. But uh, I, I've really appreciated chatting with you today. We've been on the line with Joel Solomon, the Clean Money Revolution. Um, subtitled Reinventing Power, Purpose, and Capitalism. Joel, thanks so much for your time today. You are very welcome. I appreciated this interview a lot. It was a lot of fun. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.